The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. All right, so we'll be reading from Acts 10, 1 through 48, and that's one um, page 1101 in your Bibles. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He began. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Colinus the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting him and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met with him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is in the guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
but accept from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace to Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift that the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. God bless the reading of the word. Good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Emily. I think I know most of you. But if you don't know me, I'm one of the elders here at Gallery Downtown, along with Ginger and Ellis and Albert, um, who are all not here this morning. And I usually teach with my husband, Brandon, so it does feel always feels a little empty when he's not beside me. And also, we're so complimentary that I feel like... um, you're getting half of the teaching <laughs> that could have come from this chapter. Um, he's traveling this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, so I'm holding down the fort up here and at home so you can pray for me. <laughs> um, so we've been doing this study through Acts, which we've titled Make Us, titled Make Us Fruitful. So we're looking at Acts saying, what is God doing in Acts? the ministry of Jesus, and what is he, what does he want to do through us at the same time as we read this? And I, I see two major themes through this chapter. It's an exciting chapter, right? You see the Holy Spirit come, the Holy Spirit is moving out from Jerusalem, and there's an emphasis if you look through Acts on the temple. And you know, Acts is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus that we see in Luke, So Luke is a story of how Jesus began his ministry, and Acts is this continuation. What is Jesus doing through the early church? And if you see, you know, Jesus was arrested on charges of blasphemy, right? About, if you recall, about the temple, that he said that he would tear down the temple and destroy it, tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. And um, in the Pentecost... In the early, early Acts, we see they're getting together, the believers, they're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit come down? What does it look like? Fire. It looks like fire. And there, there, this reminds us of like Old Testament prophecies of this idea that God's glory will fill the temple with a glorious, like an image of fire filling the temple. And then the Holy Spirit comes down like flames of fire and rests on the believer's heads. And this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we're continuing the theme of the temple. And then Stephen, 
Stephen was arrested on charges of what? Blaspheming about the temple. And then, um, uh, why? Why is the temple so important? And the temple, if you remember in the Old Testament, is the place where God's presence dwelt. And it's like the Jews kind of had the market on, so to speak, on the, on this, uh, presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you wanted to access God, you came to the temple and you worshiped by offering a sacrifice and it was a place of meeting with God. This temple was really important to the Jews. It was the center of their Jewish culture, of their religion. And so for a Christian to, um, to come with a new kind of temple, uh, where the Holy Spirit dwells in us was radical. And now we understand that the, that the new temple that Jesus is building is in our hearts, right? Is in us. And this, that Jesus came, and through Jesus, we have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that's given to us. So, take that. Now we're, now we're in Acts to this point where, um, God is building his new church, which is us, the temple. And it had started in Jerusalem with mostly Hebraic and Greek Jews. And we saw back a few chapters ago how these Jews are trying to live life together as new believers. And there's differences that come up. Do you remember when we were reading through um, where the widows, um, the the Greek widows weren't being... Um, weren't weren't being fed or weren't given the same amount of attention as the Hebraic Jews and so they had to they had to work that out together these differences so there's the new church is working out these differences and so we've seen that it was the that the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is starting in Jerusalem and now it's spreading out so then we see Philip in um in Samaria and then Peter just recently was in Lydda and Joppa and that's about um, I think Joppa is about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. So we're kind of increasingly coming out as we're seeing Jesus build his new temple, his new um, church here in Acts. And so we're seeing this new church, and then we learn this characteristic of God in this chapter, that God is not partial, that he's not, um, he's not, he doesn't favor one group of people um, over another. He doesn't. He doesn't favor male over female. He doesn't favor um, an age, age differences. He's not partial. That his uh, cultural differences to us, these barriers to understanding each other, language, location, um, how we grew up, our culture, these big barriers are not barriers to him. They're not there for him because he created us all and we're all made in his image and so they're not even there. So we're learning in this passage, we're going to just keep this in mind, the temple, this new temple, and that God is not partial. So how are we seeing that God is not partial in this chapter? Let's look at Cornelius, first of all. Um, Cornelius is described, we don't know much about Cornelius. He enters in this chapter and he exits in this chapter. We don't really know what happens to him here, here, before or after. But what we do know is that he feared God. So in a polytheistic culture, he believed that there was one God. 
And although he didn't convert to be a Jew, he was not a proselyte, he, he did respect the Jewish teaching. He offered them alms, it says, um, and that he prayed to God continually that he was righteous, that he was well spoken of by the Jewish community. So we know these things about Peter. And one of the first things I notice in this is that God is not partial. He hears Cornelius' prayers. It says in verse 4, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. This is just a side note that all of my scriptures are probably a word off from yours because I'm using a different translation for no other reason than it's the translation I have at home on like my real Bible that I open the pages. I know, sometimes I do that. Um, And it happens to be not the NIV, but follow along. So, okay, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. A memorial before God. It's reminiscent of a sacrifice that the Jews would have made at the temple and the altar. This theme of the temple is picked up again. Back in the temple, um, you know, the Jews would offer a sacrifice to the altar, and it would be for various reasons that were specified in the Old Testament um, laws. But it's this idea that um, that it is that it's an altar, a memorial before God, that he would hear you, a meeting place with him. So Cornelius's prayers are coming before God like an altar, like a memorial that he would give in an altar. And it reminded me of this verse, so I went back and read it. Um, Psalm 141 says, May my prayers to you be as incense before you. And I thought of this verse and went back and looked at incense back in the, in the old temple, the temple of the Jews in the Old Testament. And the incense is very closely related to the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies, if you recall from the temple, is really like the inner, the inner, inner part of the temple where the Lord's Spirit dwelt. So this is radical to me as I'm reading through this, that Cornelius is not a Jew. And his prayers are rising to the Lord as if he was in the Holy of Holies offering a sacrifice to the Lord, and the Lord is hearing him as if he's doing this, and he's not a Jew. God is not partial, that he's hearing Cornelius' prayers, not caring that he's a Gentile, not caring that he doesn't have the Jewish you know, prerequisites. Um, it's pretty, and it's pretty incredible that we see that in this image of the temple with Cornelius. In God's kingdom, he hears the prayers of those who seek him, regardless of Jew or Gentile or where we are. This is like right in my line of vision, so I don't know why I didn't move that five minutes ago. Um, the second thing that we notice about how God is not partial uh, is that all are welcome to him. So not only does he hear Cornelius's prayers, but he orchestrates these visions. He orchestrates Peter coming to Cornelius and the believers coming together, his Holy Spirit coming down. He's working on behalf of him. He's making himself available to Cornelius and saying, you're welcome to come to me. And it's interesting to take a look at Peter's response. So let's do this. This is the same Peter who walked with Jesus, right? The same Peter who said, who, um, 
you know, cut off the soldier's ear who came to arrest Jesus. Um, the same Peter who on the transfiguration was like, let's build houses, you know, and you can all stay here. This is the Peter. He's, he's all in. He's an all in guy. And when he has this vision in verse 14, he has this vision of the sheet and the animals coming out and he hears the command in his vision to eat. And he says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. He's adamant. No, Lord. And then you see in verse 28, this is after he shows up to Cornelius' house, and he says, God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. And then after Cornelius has told Peter about his vision and how the Lord is working in him, Peter says in verse 34 and 35, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. He's seeing, he's seeing God draw Cornelius to himself. And then when he had seen the Holy Spirit come so powerfully to Cornelius, he couldn't help but see that that same power that was in Cornelius was the same power that was in him and the other believers. And then he wanted them all to be baptized right then. Like, what, what are we waiting for? Let's just, let's do it. And it's like he went from an understanding of God's impartiality, a distant understanding. He's saying, by no means, Lord, that's unclean and I'm not going to do it. And then he, and then he gets a little bit closer. I won't call anything unholy or unclean that you've called unholy or unclean. But then he's, he's slowly getting closer to now he's approaching these new believers, Cornelius and his friends and family, as brothers and sisters. And this is evidenced by him saying, you get baptized, get baptized right away. Because a sign of baptism is a public confession that you're following Jesus, and it's a public confession that you're part of the body of Christ, that you are part of this new temple, that these are your brothers and your sisters that have the Holy Spirit, and we're being built together into this temple. So it's like Peter has this, he's kind of coming, um, he's coming on this understanding, and we get to watch this understanding. I think it's the same understanding that we go through. So we're watching it. We're watching it through Peter. And thinking of the life of Jesus that Peter walked next to, maybe it shouldn't have surprised Peter that God was asking him to do this thing, that, that Jesus was interacting with people who weren't um, the social norm, I, I guess, the cultural, um, the cultural norm to hang out with. When you think of the, with Jesus when he was on earth, um, didn't he befriend men and women who were um, outside of the box. Who who can you think of that Jesus hung out with in the in the New Testament stories um, that the disciples may have been surprised about? You could just call it out. Who? Yeah, Mary Magdalene, Zacchaeus, tax collectors. Yep, yeah, I think of Nicodemus, Paul, mm-hmm. the woman at the well. That's right. And so you think of these things, and Peter was right there with him. So maybe it shouldn't have shocked him um, that, that now Jesus was asking him to, do, to, do, um, to come with Cornelius and to, to bring his spirit there. 
So we do truly see the ministry of Jesus at work here in Acts. And, um, and we see that the Lord truly is building a temple of people from all, all different nations and all different people groups um, into a temple for himself. He's not partial um, in any way um, to people. My pastor in D.C., my former pastor that Brandon and I kind of grew up with, um, likes to say that God is not a respecter of persons, that he doesn't, he doesn't see, he doesn't, he doesn't see the different ranks or different, um, prejudices that we have ourselves. So what's another way that we see that God is partial in this, um, in this chapter is that he gives his Holy Spirit to those who ask regardless. And I love how Peter says in verse 47, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? He's he's excited. I like that. (laughs) But it's first a recognition that no matter how different they were, it's the same God. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Spirit in all of the believers. And secondly, it's a recognition in front of these believers that the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gift. Um, We don't earn the Holy Spirit. We can't control the Holy Spirit. And aside from the promise of Jesus to give us the Holy Spirit, we can't demand the Holy Spirit. And so if God gives his Spirit, then who are we to say otherwise? And I think Peter's watching this, and you know, the, the Spirit came before Peter even stopped speaking. <laughs> so he, I think the believers are just kind of standing back watching, saying, whoa, this is, this is happening. Um, and, and we had a part in it, but really this is just the Lord. This is Jesus um, doing his thing. And um, I want to say, you know, some people read the, the Bible like a recipe, so... You could look at this chapter and say, okay, so first you believe in Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and then you get baptized. Or some people look at other parts of the Bible, and then you say, well, first you believe in Jesus, and then you get baptized, and then the Holy Spirit comes. But that's not the point. The point is that they, that the Holy Spirit came, and that they, he opened the hearts of the believers to receive Jesus, and that uh, they were baptized into a community of believers right away. Um, so the point is just one of praise, to say, thank you, God. And I think that's what Peter and the believers were doing, just praise you, Lord, that you're doing this, that you're sending your spirit. You don't have to, but you are, and you're drawing us to you, and that's remarkable. And I think it's our, our reaction as well is just one of praise when we see the Holy Spirit in each other. God is not partial. He's not partial to um, to the things that we're partial to. Um, he's perfect. He's perfect in every way. And he's not partial, but he is righteous. So God is not partial. But that doesn't mean that whatever we do, however we want to be, that, that God is impartial to our sin. He's not. Um, he is righteous. We see God doing a beautiful thing in the believers in this chapter, both Jew and non-Jew, that he's not partial, that he's a lover of men and women. Um, but there are, there are 
some things in the scripture that we pull out. Cornelius is described as a man who feared God. And when Peter says in verse 34, in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So it's almost this qualifier that God is impartial, but for those who come to him through Jesus, and we're not perfect. So when it says who fears him and does what is right, my first reaction is like, oh, but I don't do what's right. And so what, where does that leave me? And where that leaves me is Jesus. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is, is what, is how we can come to the Father. And so God is not partial, but we do come through Jesus. So I just wanted to, I just want to make that clear as we read this, that, um, that God is righteous. So we're seeing in this chapter that, um, God wants everyone to come to Him. That He's building a new temple, putting His Holy Spirit in us, and He's building us up. And it does add another dimension to the believers in Acts. So then they start dealing with things. If you read some of the letters in the New Testament, then they have new challenges because there was um, Jews and differences in Jews, but now when you bring in um, other people from outside of the Jewish culture, then you're adding you're just adding a new dimension of people, which adds new dimension of challenges. Um, as we all know from any aspect of our life, the more people you have, the more conflicts you have, um, really in any setting. Just people are different, right? Can someone just nod or say something this morning? Okay, thank you, thanks. <laughs> um, and if you look in some of the letters in the New Testament, you see like one of the major things they dealt with was circumcision. Does this ring a bell from the New, from the New Testament? So you're dealing with circumcision. And how do you deal with some of the, the, the prerequisites, I will say, that the Jews had? And now you're having these other believers come in. Can they just skip some of the other cultural norms that the Jews had? Can they just jump right in? Um, and I think the answer was probably yes. But um, I bring that up not to go into the New Testament, just, but just to acknowledge that there, were, um, that there are challenges for us as the body of Christ as we um, seek to love each other past differences um, the way Jesus would. And we definitely have our own challenges appreciating the Spirit at work. I mean, I just think of within the church, before we even get outside the church, but you think of inside the church and the divisions that we have, the ways that we think that our worship is right or our teaching is right, or, um, I don't know, just a silly little difference, but I... Me and my family were at my brother's church, and they go to um, a more traditional church. And Simone, my four-year-old, was like, where's the guitar? <laughs> so I'm like, well, they don't have a guitar. You know, they have an, uh, they, I don't know what, they have a piano or an organ or an organ or something. Um, you know, they don't, they don't have that. But her was like, you know, where, where's, when's the worship starting? Um, those are just small differences, but actually they create a lot of unnecessary friction in the church. Right? Um, so we're working through those things and just seeing that it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. Peter's looking at Cornelius saying, you, you know, you don't have the same things that I grew up with. Sorry, Blake, you're at a microphone level there. But, um, but, uh, but it's the same spirit. And so we look at these different churches and especially, you know, you even look at Baltimore, how many different churches? I mean, how many of you have kind of like church hopped three different churches? 
before you landed at gallery or something, you know, I'll just raise my hand for me. And we, we came to gallery more of a st- of, of a sense of like, I'll say like style preference. I don't know how to, how to say that things that we valued in this church that we really appreciated, but it didn't mean that the church that we came from doesn't have the spirit of God working in them. Do you know what I mean? And so there is this appreciation for different churches and different ways that the Spirit is showing himself that we just have to get over ourselves because our way is not right. It's just, it's good to worship the Lord. (laughs) And if you find a group of people that you can worship the Lord with, then praise God and praise God for the people who are worshiping with the piano, singing hymns, like praise God. That's the Spirit of God there. And and that doesn't even get us into bringing people from outside the church back in. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's like other things that we have to get over too. And I've been a, a Christian for as long as I can remember. And I mean that in a sincere way. I just never, I don't have any memories of not sincerely believing that Jesus was real and loved me. And I'm so thankful my parents are here. I'm so thankful for my parents and growing up in a Christian home. But I have to be careful because then when I see friends who are um, coming to the Lord as adults, I kind of feel sometimes like I spent 34 years to get here and you spent like five and you're like the same level as me. I don't know level is not the right word, but um, but you know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. I spent a long time on this road and you didn't. Um, and that's a struggle that I have to, but we, but we do that in each other and we compare gifts and the Holy Spirit at work in this person or in me. And it's not right. The Holy, the Lord gives the Holy Spirit to all who ask of him. And it reminded me of the parable of the workers in Matthew 20. This will probably sound familiar, but. It's one of those parables in Matthew, um, the kingdom of heaven is like, one of those parables. And it's the one of the farmer who hires some laborers early in the morning and tells them that he will pay them a certain wage to work in his field. And they come and they work in his field. And a couple hours later, he gathers some more workers and they come work. And, you know, later in the afternoon, he goes and gets more workers. He must have had a big field. Maybe he was in a hurry. And they all come, and then at the end of the day, they've all done their work, and they all got the exact same wage, even though they worked different hours. And the ones that had worked all day were like, come on, you know, we worked more. You're being unfair. We worked more. We should get more. And the response from the farmer is, is your eye envious because I am generous? And in this chapter, the Holy Spirit is so generous to Cornelius and to his family, but also to Peter. Because God didn't have to use Peter. He could have told Cornelius about himself and his vision and not be done with it. But somehow, for some reason, he uses us for each other. And he's generous and he gives to all who ask him. And he's building up a temple for himself of worship. And the whole thing of God being impartial and bringing us from all areas of the world and culture, um, 
all areas, different neighborhoods of Baltimore together, is that it's beautiful and it's worshipful to God. It's a memorial to him when we're together, one mind and one heart, um, loving and praising his spirit that he gives so generously. And we all come through Jesus. We're coming the same way. When Peter says, they received the Spirit the same way we did, it's the same. We're all receiving the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, coming to the Father. Um, So I want to close with this verse. Um, This is in Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Um, This is actually when they're dealing with um, talking about Jews and Gentiles working together. And it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So our prayer through this, my prayer through this chapter, as we're reading through Acts, make us fruitful, is that, Lord, um, would you give us that same heart that welcomes each other, that welcomes all who come to him um, as the family of faith. Lord, we praise you. You are good. You are generous. Um, Thank you that you are impartial, that we are, um, we are all precious, that you have an infinite amount of love, that you are, you're not, um, you're not gonna run dry, you're not gonna, uh, run out of love and kindness and generosity for us. Would you help us to be, um, the same way that you are, Lord, um, to see your spirit in each other and in different expressions of faith and to praise you um, for the different expressions that you're bringing to yourself. Uh, Worship to you. Amen.